Lexus Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 1, season 22. Uh, we've, we've, we're back, rallying's back to, to, to kind of give a bit of light relief to still what's going on. During the troubled times, um, we try to make rallying as, as kind of accessible and as easy as what we can. We try to make it as easy as ABC, and in fact, we make it so easy as ABC. I have Trevor Agnew, Jack Bennion, and Ryan Champion. And oh, now you, nice, nice now, work. Now oh, you know God. why. Well seen, you four weeks off. Now, now you know how John Desborough got the gig just before Christmas as well, because basically <laughs> the next person I'm looking for is going to have the letter E in their name so uh, yeah sending your CVs please to Sheila at absolutelyrally.co.uk but anyway you've heard poor, them already poor, poor Bex Williams isn't going to have a chance this year <laughs> how did it take you that long to work out that the surnames are in alphabetical order uh, it's been like three years now it's been longer <laughs> Jesus. So basically, uh, that's what I've done for the last four weeks is try and figure apart, it out. Apart from learning how to tap your microphone all the time, what's going on your microphone? Uh, I'm sorry. I think you'll find it's probably the wire um, is, is 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 doing that. But we'll we'll, we'll polish that out. Sorry, Trev. Sorry, it's not as old. No, sorry, Did you know Trev's got a podcast, Tony? He's a bit of an expert now. <laughs> has, Trev got a, has Trev got a podcast? Trev, have you got a podcast? No, <laughs> clearly not. Okay. Not, not, Trev, not to Trev, this quality, clearly. Trev, don't, don't pee on his bonfire. He's been working on that one for three weeks. Let him have his moment. <laughs> I know, yeah. Talk about... If if you want the audio definition of, of seeing or rather hearing somebody piss on somebody's bonfire, it's just happened, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome back to Absolute Rally for 2021. Hello, Trevor Agnew. Have a lovely year. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie boy, Benyon, you're back as well. Hello, my mate. I am. How are we doing? Um, I was doing fine because I kind of worked on this whole thing and then three years of work down the drain <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much uh, and Ryan Champion hello welcome back <laughs> hello good it's to be right. back yeah no it, I, I, do, do you know what mate up until about 55 seconds ago I would have agreed with you but uh, I'm not so sure anymore again I'm back in that re- it's took it's took Trev well done normally by Do about, start again let's start again <laughs> normally no 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 we're, we're in now we're balls deep right normally it gets to about episode 8 where I'm feeling fatigued and thinking why am I doing this and everything else this is a record Trev in 10 oh. years of making podcasts 55 seconds since the first episode of a new season you've managed to do it that's without me even being, being surprised that it's actually episode 1 as well yeah I know I know so, uh, so there you go. Anyway, um, we could go on all day about this, but we're back because obviously it was Rally Monte Carlo at the weekend. Um, if I, I'd say by a show of hands, but that doesn't really work audio-wise. I'll come to Ryan Champion first. Were you excited, Ryan Champion? I was. I was. And uh, I think it's great to see rallying back with the Monte Carlo. And, and uh, I'm sure we'll come on to it a little bit later. There was there was one particular article that came out a couple of days ago that um, that said it was a shadow of its former self and, and shouldn't have run. And, and I completely disagree. I think in, uh, in these difficult times that we've got to see rallying back, to see it back with Monte Carlo, probably the most famous rally in the world, was, was fantastic. And, uh, you know, we're not necessarily a mainstream sport now like we used to be but to be back with a bang with a, a, a the you know like i said uh, such a well-known event with typical monty conditions lots of excitement it was great i got into a little bit of a debate with somebody on twitter i can't help it these days um about this who basically laid into it as well um and i'd already recorded and i'll come to you first trev i'd already recorded 
um, uh, what we've got coming up later on the podcast. We've got Craig Parry joining us uh, at the end of the podcast. He was out doing ice notes for Taka. Um, and he was telling me just how tough it was, you know, getting up at, you know, they were up at quarter to two in the morning because they were doing tyres as well. And there was Johan and him and him going out and everything else. And it, it didn't sound like a walk in the park, but for some reason, one or two people seems to have got it in their heads that this was a, a severely watered down version. Not, not my understanding of it anyway. No, definitely not. More of a challenge. Uh, I would have said, considering the conditions in the roads, and we saw some drivers were able to cope with that, others not so much. Uh, a big confidence thing for a few people that they just couldn't get the flow, couldn't get into the rhythm, and that affected their rally. So the consistency that we saw right at the top of Mr. Ogier, as you'd expect in that rally, uh, didn't happen for a lot of people. But there was so much different types of drama throughout uh, the three, four days that it ran. And, of course, we didn't have night stages on the Thursday night, but we had them on Friday morning. So uh, there wasn't much missing. I think it was two stages less than the normal fare it would have. Uh, but, yeah, it, there was plenty there. I certainly en- enjoyed it. I was uh, watching it. I was on the background, I should say, for most of the weekend as I was doing other stuff. And, yeah, it's it's... It's great that we have a rally up and up and running. I wasn't so sure, like a lot of people, that it should have happened. Uh, personally, if it was me and I was told to go for my work, I would have went, but I wouldn't have been happy going. Uh, but in the end, uh, congrats to everybody involved that put together an event that was definitely entertaining. Very much so. Jack, before we get too, too deep into to Monte Carlo, obviously, Raj just mentioned that article. I got involved a little bit, as I say, talking to somebody on Twitter about it and uh, and everything else from a journalistic point of view um just just, just and, and listen that's you know it was anthony peacock who wrote the piece he's, he's obviously been around rallying a long time I, I was kind of surprised really that it was a rally journalist that wrote it yeah it's it's difficult isn't it because um as a journalist you never want to kind of throw uh throw stones from glass houses um you know we all make mistakes and we all make uh decisions that sometimes when we look back on you know we're not particularly proud of or we feel like we we could have done a much better job um to be honest i feel like with, with everything i write i always look back and think um you know could have done things differently and, <laughs> and changed things but it's just you know it's um it, the, the the piece itself i just thought you know it kind of focused on on the wrong things really and uh, you know what it, it was shorter factually than it was last year by about 30 or or, or something k you know people who people who've had the maps and stuff will be able to correct me on that but uh, i'm pretty sure that's about right and it was two stages uh, shorter than than last year but you know considering there's a pandemic on and the fact that not just that that we've got a pandemic, but we've got these COVID variants coming from different parts of the world. Um, you know, people who know about viruses will know that that's the most dangerous time in in in, in a period of a pandemic when when the virus starts to mutate because you start to question whether you can you can deal with it again when it when it does mutate. So, you know, we don't need to get too much into that. We spoke about it a lot last year, but for me to to get that event on, um, you know, if you're going to question it from a humanitarian point of view, you know you know, why are we doing sport at a time where, you know, so many people are suffering, you know, that's a different debate altogether, but that's not what the piece was about. You know, the piece was, um, you know, saying that the event was a shadow of its former self. And for me, you know, it was, it was, it was about 30 K less and two stages less. And it had all the drama that any other Monte Carlo I've watched in, in recent years had. So uh, to, to be honest, I didn't really, I didn't really agree with that viewpoint, but at the same time, you know, other people might agree. And that's what, um, you know, that's what things like that are all about. And the instigating debate. I, I think so, and as I say, the guy—I I, I don't know where he—I think he was based over in Estonia, looking at his his his, his Twitter handle thing or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, he was quite—he uh, was quite adamant. And, and, and again, in the end, I, I kind of just point. Well, that, well, that's your opinion. You, you, everybody's 
entitled to their opinion on on on, on what but you know right um, how many rallies could we go back over the last five years um and if you worked worked out the percentages of stages that were cancelled either during the events or whatever percentage wise it would still probably be the the the, the monty that's just one would still probably still be up there with you know the uh, percentage wise of how much of the stages actually run if you get me meaning but a bit clumsy that i know but yeah you get point. yeah I, I know what you're saying and and as jack said it wasn't that much shorter than than last year and it's not like it didn't have night stages and it's not like thankfully it didn't have tough icy snowy monty conditions so um you know, for me, considering the times we're in, it, it was a great spectacle. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I was maybe a little bit surprised to, to read that. Full enough, Anthony actually called her off for me on a rally once upon a time. But it's your um, fault. Ryan's yeah. fault, everyone. There you go. Direct everything at him. Ryan yeah. Champion underscore. About, yeah. It was about this time 20 years ago, funnily enough. Indeed That's gone. scary. Never but, trust um, people who've co-driven for Ryan. No. Well, <laughs> what, is it with, what is it with you in journalist, Ryan Champion? You see, this means in 20 years' time, Jack Bengen is going to start talking nonsense. Yeah, maybe. Mind you, he's already he's well ahead of the game on that, isn't he? <laughs> you beat me to that one. Ah, I knew. I knew, mate, because you do self-depreciation so well. So I thought, I'm going to get in there first. I'm going to get in there first. Um, I wanted to talk about um, the, the obvious, obviously... I don't know, and I don't know whether this is the fact that the sands of time, and let's be honest, Trev, the, the end of Rally Monza is the beginning of Rally Monte Carlo. God, it's like a, it is literally a, a heartbeat or a blink, isn't it? But um, Sebastian Auger, um was at his very, very focused best, and there was no shadow of a doubt in my mind, he, or in his mind rather, in the interviews that I've seen, that he was going to win that rally. Yeah, but that's normal in Monte Carlo, isn't it? Um, just normal. <laughs> and coming off Monza, where he had a good feel for what the car would do in those conditions to a certain extent, he, you just remember as well, folks, like a week before, Julian and Gracia, who was in the car as well, Sebastian Uzi, he was in hospital after having a biggest accident, uh, probably he's had in a long time, and yet they go out. And, you know, so this whole thing, is, it always amuses me comments uh, when it comes to that type of thing. People saying beforehand, is Titanic going to have the confidence? How is he going to feel after last year's crash? So how would he actually approach that piece of road if there wasn't a chicane? And is he going to feather off the throttle this year? If he didn't have the confidence to go and do that rally, he wouldn't bloody do it. And just sometimes things like that amuse me. You just need to understand what's in these guys' heads. And it's the same with Thierry Neville, you know, when he got uh, Martin Vidiga in the car with him for the first time. And there was one stage he was like, what, three seconds, five seconds off the pace and they're putting it down to, you know, could that be the co drive? You just, people over 20k don't have any comprehension a lot of the time of what it takes to put in these stage times. And the same you could even say for the like of Gus Greensmith. So a fifth fastest in Monte Carlo is an absolutely fantastic performance. You need to just do that consistently a bit more, and that's where you build it up. That's what Sebastian Auger is absolutely phenomenal at. So he's got this sense that nobody else has. Auger, I'm sorry, Loeb was the same before that, maybe Walter Royal, Tommy Mackinnon. To win that rally three or four times in a row, you've got to have a little bit more feel. So the way you feel the grip through your, the part of your fingers, your bum and the pedals is completely different. It's a sixth sense. It's done unconsciously. It doesn't even have to think about it. Look at any mistakes that he makes in that rally. It's at low speed, maybe just spinning on a hairpin, going off slowly. He got stuck in the Fiesta, remember? 
But those types of things where he's got the spatial awareness as well, where obstacles are, it's all unconscious. So the more relaxed he can be, and Julian clearly will help him to do that, uh, and nobody's going to beat him. But just remember what happened in Monza as well. So in Monza, at one stage, he backed off a little bit. He wasn't comfortable. He just couldn't read those conditions, potentially the same. Elvin went up a little bit faster and the consequences of that. So in Monte Carlo, we saw the master at his work and the way it should be. It was sublime. And that's just Ogier, who's a freak. <laughs> and there end the podcast. Um <laughs> I wanted to, um, Jack, I think the last time we had Tierney Vell on, I think you, you instigated it, bless you, uh, which is, feels like a couple, maybe two years ago now, maybe. Um, I genuinely thought that, um, that he would never be one of those people that, that changed. You know, I, I kind of had him in the same kind of bracket, bracket rather as, you know, um, Julian and, and, and Sebastian and, and Daniel and, and, and the other Sebastian, you know, that, that famous one called Loeb as well. I never thought we'd see, you know, a new name on the window alongside his. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something interesting to see, wasn't it? And, uh, maybe something a bit unexpected to, to most people, but yeah, um, I, I just, I, I still think that, that Hyundai are lacking something against Toyota and I think that event proved it really because Thierry didn't get the, the pre-event preparation that he probably would have wanted but, but neither did Sebastian Ogier. I heard many people talking about that, about how, you know, how few, uh, kilometers he got under his belt on, on a pair of slicks or, or just in general preparing for the event due to the crash. So, you know, I think they're, they're, they're professionals at the end of the day and they're both expected to, to deliver no matter what the pre-event preparation is, isn't it? You know, that's part of what rallying's all about is, is driving the road in front of you, isn't it? And, and, you know, circumstances are almost, uh, secondary, aren't they? Because you just have to live with the adaptation and the, the different things that are, that are thrown at you and, I think, uh, you know, I think Thierry looked uh, pretty good to me over the course of the Monty, but, you know, I think, uh, I think I and I still lacking something a little bit compared to uh, Toyota. Well, Adamo's actually come out and said that, hasn't he, Jack? Um, he wasn't happy with, with, with what went on on the events and, 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 you know, some, some, you know, approach, the, the approach to, to, to things needs to change. I, I can't, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to read between the lines and I'm sure there's far more informed people that have got the answers to this, Jack, but, um, you know, I don't know whether that's just, is that a knee-jerk response or has there something else gone on behind the scenes? We can only speculate, obviously. Yeah, we can only speculate. And to be honest, to take everything um, Andre says with a bit of a pinch of salt, because he's he's that kind of um, that kind of character, isn't he? You know, he's he's prone to um, you know speaking his mind immediately and kind of uh, you know giving entertaining quotes. And um, you know, I don't know if he does uh, some of that on purpose or or it's just how he sort of reacts to questions and and how he kind of uh, processes problems. Maybe it's a, a redirect. I kind of um, if people like football, I kind of think of Adamo as a bit like Mourinho. He like kind of takes the uh, yeah, I love that. Take, yeah. takes the attention of the, 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 de- the defeat or or uh, you know a, a tricky run and takes that attention on himself by doing something maybe a little bit controversial or saying something maybe a little bit unusual. So I think we'll see that play out over the next couple of rallies, and I think um, you know we'll learn a bit more about where Hyundai's at. I mean, Monty is such a you know a specialist event, and when you're going up against Sebastian Ogier, I mean that was one of his best Monty performances. I think, um, you know, I'd definitely put it in the, in the top three personally with, um, 2017, 2019, those were two um, that stand out to me as well, not just because they were recent, but because they were, you know, phenomenal victories. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, 
yeah, I think uh, when you're going up against Sebastian Oje, like like Trev kind of described him earlier, and as we've described him many times on the podcast, you know, you need to be perfect. You need it. You need the car to be perfect. You need to be perfect yourself. You need your event preparation to be perfect. And if and if any of those things don't come off, then you know there's a good chance Sebastian Oje is going to clean up. So, yeah, I think um, I think Adama is right in the sense of um, there might be might maybe need a little adjustment to uh, to prepare better. But you know, for me, it's still I'm still not convinced the car performance is there compared to the Toyota to, to match them on a you know on a, an even set of circumstances right um a double d- double double question for you i suppose just just talking about obviously the situation with, with Thierry changing what, what was the latest you ever co- chose um cho- changed the co-driver for, for, for any reason oh god uh, now you're asking i mean again it's probably i'm sure in fact i I'm sure it's happened the week of the week of the event. Um, Do you want to but, say a week, so, a week is probably the biggest for me? Where we've done a lot, you know, our last minute changes probably four days, five days before the rally. I've never had it, you know, for especially an event like that, you know, forty eight hours before supposedly, you know, there's there's a change. Yeah, and and it is huge, and and you know, for all. Um, Adamo's blustering. I mean, if you're a professional team at that level, the last thing you would want to see is one of your stars changing their co-driver in the in the week of the rally. Um, you know, they they did a great job on the event. It was a professional performance, but you know, it's it's rare in in international sport that you see a partnership work so close together. But I don't know, in ice skating, for example, I'm sure if you change the partner the day before your performance, it'd be, it'd be pretty, I mean, you're into ice skating, Tony, I don't know. I'll have to ask you on that one later, but uh, you know, if you, if you changed your partner the day before, it'd be pretty difficult. And it's, it's got to affect things. I mean, as a professional driver, I'm sure once the rally started, Thierry just focused on that. And, and my experience of changing co-drivers is as long as um, they're delivering the notes at the right time, you forget about it very quickly. But there was times where it wasn't working quite perfectly for him. And uh, and that's not ideal. So, you know, what, for whatever reason that change happened, the, the timing of it was very unsettling. Um, Oitanak, I mean, that was a an untanak-like performance, wasn't it? it, it there was some quick stage times from him, from him but then we saw spins and punctures and mistakes and you know he's a man who's got what is it three podiums I think in Monte Carlo he, he knows the rally well he's gone very well there before but um, you know he looked out of sorts Danny Sordo was just not the the Danny Sordo that turned up in Monza um, so I can understand there's a few questions at, at Hyundai because the Toyota team just blew them away and for all the praise we've just put on um Sebastian Orge, I mean, fantastic performance yet again, considering, as, as Trev said, the, the accident in testing as well. Uh, in all credit to, to Elvin Evans and, and Scott Martin, they, they shadowed Orge the, the whole rally. Uh, they were there or thereabouts. Yes, he wasn't quite confident with what was going on, but he put in a fantastic performance, didn't make any mistakes and finished just over 30 seconds behind Orge in Monte Carlo. So, um, you know, it's a, a brilliant performance from him too and really the whole Toyota team. Okay, second part of the question before I bring the other two back in a quickie for you. Um, something that hasn't been mentioned, and I don't think it will be mentioned probably in, in, in the WRC kind of press, I suppose, because obviously we're now in a controlled tyre situation, so nobody's ever going to kind of say, you know, well, the tyres weren't quite up to what we've had previously on this particular event or whatever it may be, but, you know, Pirelli coming in as a controlled tyre, uh, it, it is what it is. This is what you 
what you've been given. You know, there was there was definitely talks on the the, the early couple of days. I noticed on stage hem where you know maybe not quite getting the temperature in or getting them working a, bit, a little bit later into the stage and stuff. You know, I suppose for the uninitiated, and I include myself in this. It's just how big a change will that be on those, you know, we call them 17 cars to suddenly go from a tyre that they've been working with for, you know, three years, probably doing all the, you know, probably four years if you include testing beforehand as well, before it was homologated, to go to a new brand. Uh, A massive change because they've been developing the tyres with Michelin for you know, for years now. And so the drivers knew exactly what they were on for Monte Carlo and for all um, the, the top drivers would have tested on the Pirellis. They hadn't tested on them over 20 kilometer stages. You know, test, uh, tests, as most people know, tend to be on quite a short piece of, of road. So the the nature of the tyre over 20 k's when you've got dry tarmac, wet tarmac, you've got snow, you've got ice, all of which is affecting the, the temperature of the tyre, um, it would it would make a substantial difference to what the car was doing to the, to the previous Michelin. Um, but I think that just comes back to emphasise Trev's point before about who is the driver with the best feel. Um, the driver with the best feel will get the best from that tyre in difficult circumstances, and it just so happens that driver probably won the rally. Absolutely. Um, Trev, um, as ever, you know, the, the other story, we haven't spoke about M Sport. I want to touch upon M Sport while we're, while, while we're at this point quickly. Um, Team is Sunnan, you know, uh, it felt like it was a win it or bin it. Uh, and I'm not just saying that in a lazy way, but, you know, the, the splits before he went off were, were phenomenal. He was up on Tanak at the time. Um, you know, a limited program this year. I felt like he was trying to go out and make a statement and it kind of bit him on the bum a little bit. It did, and there's nothing else really to add to that. He was going at that pace, I assume, because he felt comfortable at that pace. But was he overdriving? We don't know. I didn't see uh, much else of the rest of that stage, but certainly where he got caught out, nearly got Elvin Evans as well. So it was a slippery piece of road, and the white line didn't help as well. But those are the fine margins, and when you pitch that off, and again, as the car disappeared down the side of a mountain now, he, he, it was in, in front of the camera, the WRC Plus camera, or sorry, the promoter's camera. So clearly they got to interview him quite quickly after it, and I'm sure he was in shock and still not thinking. But the fact that he thought he could get the car out in the Super Rally it, uh, was a bit of a surprise to me because I just don't see how you would do that or what the benefit is of doing that. You know, it'll probably take two or three hundred grand to fix that car. Um, and what's the advantage of doing that and rebuilding it for that anyway? So we got for it. So. Yeah, it, it, it must have been absolutely devastating for the whole team, considering the effort, the upgrades they put on the car. Clearly, they could see that those upgrades were working. They would have expected at least to get a few more stages done, and, and that's what happens. And uh, So who knows what happens next? At one point, they said they weren't going to decide uh, on the Arctic Rally until closer to the close of entries, but it certainly uh, cranks the pressure on to Sunan, and he's going to Finland to do a rally, and He'd need to be competitive there, really, wouldn't he? I would have thought so. I would have thought so. Um, Jack, I'll bring you back in. Um, young man who's he's obviously also at M Sport, who, who, who gets such a uh, battering on social media and stuff, is Gus Greensmith. Obviously, we have him on the show. Um, I've got a lot of time for Gus. Um, uh, you know, there's no, there's no secret to the fact of, 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 of how he goes rallying and how they do it and things like that. But, um, I just wonder, you know, and he was very hard on himself. He is incredibly hard on himself. He was very incredibly hard on himself during the rally and after the rally. But I just wonder what the level of expectation realistically was for him on Rally Monte Carlo. 
Yeah, Gus is an interesting case, isn't he? And you know, I think um, I think the the best thing I saw over the Monty weekend was a a tweet from Scott Erskine who talked about um, you know um, praising Chris Ingram for for his um, his talking about mental health over um, the course of of last week. But but Scott's tweet, I'm, I'm paraphrasing paraphrasing here. You can go and look at, at Scott's tweet. But he basically says, you know, it's great to see the the rally community being so supportive of, of Chris Ingram, but then at the same time being so critical of another British driver in, in in Gus Greensmith. And I have to agree. You know, I was followed by a I guess what you would call a parody account on Twitter over the weekend that was you know basically yeah. taking the mick out of Gus and his um, you know his, his his backing and you know he claims that he's not a pay driver and you know we, we don't need to get too much into contractual ob- obligations and stuff like that you know many many young drivers have to bring uh, at least a certain amount of funding to their to their drives and you know I've not seen Gus's uh, M Sport contract so you know I can't say for certain like anybody else who hasn't seen the contract can say for certain you know what's changing hands or, or what the situation is but what I do know is I think Gus is treated you know quite harshly um you know, I think the thing with rallying is it's not like some other um, forms of motorsport where you can just come in and be immediately competitive. Um, in in most cases, sometimes it takes years to to become competitive. And we've seen different drivers over the years. Oit Tanak's always the example that's used. You know, he was dropped by M Sport a few times and came back, and uh, you know, has obviously proven himself a success. And you know, I'm not saying Gus Greensmith is ever going to be as good as Oit Tanak because you know, I, I'm genuinely I'm not sure that that's that's uh, that's possible. Oit's uh, you know a phenomenal driver and one of the best drivers of of this generation which includes Sebastian Auger so to, to, to aim for that is, um, is is difficult but that's not also not a criticism because you know if, you, if you're a driver aiming to, to reach the WRC you know obviously you dream of being Sebastian Auger but how many drivers actually reach that level you know we, we talk uh, we talk at length about the greatest drivers of all time and Auger and Loeb often come up and you know how many people are actually going to reach that level and if Gus just becomes a you know a, a, an often podium finisher and a, a regular point scorer for M Sport then you know what's really wrong with that Obviously, we, we spend so much time uh, focusing on winners and championships and things like that, don't we? But, you know, not everyone can win a championship every year and not everyone can win rallies every year. So for Gus, he just has to, you know, avoid that um, that, that kind of uh, that criticism and try not to let him let it get himself down. But and I think I know Gus well enough to be able to say that he's a strong character and, you know, he's... Um, you know, a very, very nice individual to be around when you speak to him and, and when you talk to him, very polite. Um, you know, it's not like he's going around uh, calling out people or, you know, having shot, you know, taking pot shots at other drivers and stuff like that. So I, I really don't understand where the where the level of criticism comes from. Maybe it's just jealousy that he's... Do you know the irony, Jack, and I'm going to bring Ryan in in a second on this, is that the previous person who took the kick in that he gets now in other parts of the world was was the man who was lauded, and quite rightly, because I really enjoyed his input on WRC, uh, Mads Osberg. Mm. Mads was was continually kicked for the fact that they brought budget. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a fashionable thing to do, but people who understand motorsport know that that's been happening since uh, motorsport began. Um, you know, the money has to come from somewhere, especially in, um, you know, especially in a championship where, you know, trying to keep manufacturers on board, uh, you know, has been difficult in the past and continue, will continue to be difficult in the future. So, you know, it's it's a difficult one, but you know, I think um, I think I think Gus gets um, the bad end of the stick, and I think if people were just able to see a bit more of Gus and 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 learn a bit more about his character and and see a little bit more behind the scenes, I think you would see that. You know he's a he's a nice guy to be around, and he doesn't doesn't really deserve to have this sticking while he's trying to learn his craft and and ply his trade. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, boys. We're 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 incredibly pushed for time as ever today, right? I just want to bring you in quickly on this. I was talking to somebody the other day 
and and about the situation with Gus and and different teams with budget. And somebody flags something up to me, and, and again, we never know the contracts and stuff. But you think about personal sponsors, the likes of Carlos Sainz brought, you know, Telefonica, um, Repsol, Repsol. You know, how is that bringing budget and taking a salary out of it? How is that any different? Was the point that was put to me? I mean, this is somebody who's been around rallying for, for for many many years, and I'm using Carlos as a, as an example. You know, you can go through Marco Martin with Estonian Oil. You know, we we could go on and on and on and on, and or. Or most of the Finnish drivers that have come up through Timo Jockey, quite honestly. Yeah. So, you know, in exactly the same way. You're absolutely right. And this is the unique thing about about rallying as a sport, or motorsport, really. But in rallying, you can have three identical cars. You can have one driver who's been paid, one who isn't paying but isn't been paid, and then somebody who's been pay, paying to get in the third car, but they're all in the same team. And, and that's the bizarre thing. And, um you're absolutely right. It, it, this has gone on through motorsport for years, whether it's a driver just bringing enough for his salary, whether it's contributing towards the budget. Um, it, it has gone on all the way through. I think maybe for people who are not quite as close to the sport as 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 others, the frustrating thing is that there is the, the Andreas Mickelsons, there is the Chris Meeks, um, Craig Breen, etc. without a full-time drive. And they, they're like, well, what, surely M-Sport could put these guys in. Well, no, they can't. They can't find that level of sponsorship and probably don't want to have to find that level of sponsorship. Simple as that. Um, and it's a commercial reality. The sport is, uh, you know, it, it, as we said, it, it has dropped off the radar of, of mainstream TV in, in a lot of countries. Um, high profile sponsors are hard to get and the cars are more costly than they've ever been. So the commercial reality is if M Sport want to survive, then then they've got to, to continue to fund it somehow. And, uh, you know, I, I put on Twitter when it was announced that Sunderland wasn't doing the full season, I, I said, I think that's a shame. And somebody said, well, why, why is that a shame? There's better drivers than him. Well, I didn't think they were going to get a better driver than him for the full season, which they haven't. Um, you know, and that's not to say that, my opinion on Sonnen and whether he's the best or not, I, I didn't see them getting a, a driver with the relevant funding that was going to be there for the season. And, and I think that's uh, the other issue for Gus is that he's become the team leader. He's become the one that's doing the full season. If he was the number two to a, a, another driver, then, um, you know, maybe there wouldn't be quite so much focus on him. Very much so. Very much so. Um, boys, we're at any other business. So uh, Trevor Agnew, without further ado, um, Agadu, you crack on with your any other business, son. I just want to go back to the Thierry Neuville and uh, Nico relationship and when probably it looks like it was contractual. So, okay, that's usually down to money. Uh, I'm just wondering if that bridge can be rebuilt again. Now, I'm not wishing anything wrong with Martin Vedica. He did a brilliant job in, in Monte Carlo. But the bit I suppose a lot of people don't understand is just the distraction it is to have a new co-driver. Now, you can get into a car and you can go really fast. We saw Phil Mills get in with Elvin and Corsica a couple of years ago, and you can get up to speed 99, 99.5% of performance is great, but there's still a distraction of that voice isn't familiar. We know when Formula One drivers get a co-driver in the car, they struggle like hell with it, and we've seen that in loads of evidence over the years. So having something that's different after 10 years of having the same tone, and it's literally down to the tonality and just really the preciseness of delivering so the difference in somebody who's good 
and somebody who's great at co-driving, you get to the very highest echelons. And I didn't even get that high when you think about the ultimate when it comes to a 2017 car. It's that extra little bit at the end, which is all about everybody working together and just not having to think about it. It's just something that's there and you're working again unconsciously. To disrupt that um, is going to take a little while to build it up. So if it was contractual and it was down to money, maybe that might that bridge might be able to repair it again. It's just an interesting thing for me. But as I said, Martin Weidegger to go to Monte Carlo, being drafted in last minute, done a fabulous job, and I'm not taking anything away from him. He's going to the Arctic Rally as well, but uh, it'll be interesting just to see how that pans out. Good man, good man. Uh, Jack Banging, you're any of the business? Uh, I just wanted to flag up that the uh, Absolute Rally Fantasy WRC League is up and running, and uh, <laughs> there's some great team names in there. There's been some good competition so far. Um, Definitely get your teams in and, and join us for a bit of laugh, and we're definitely up for a, a bit of banter on social media about that as well. And as of last year, um, in the thrilling finale at Monza, where Trevor Agnew dramatically lost and finished last, and we'll now have to do a, <laughs> um, a, day, how, a day. How are we doing currently, Jack? <laughs> well, you know, people can just go and look on the fantasy. No, no, hi, you, I'm sure you'd have looked because you're you're promoting it. You've clearly done your research before you go and start advocating. Boys, it. So boys, what, what boys, boys, in your own time. Ryan Champion, you're any other business. <laughs> uh, well, mine's one that uh, we maybe need to come back to and revisit, but, uh, you know, just uh, uh, reflecting on the sad news that Wills Rally GB isn't in the 2021 World Rally Championship. You know, we don't have a British round of the World Championship, regardless of if it's Wales, Northern Ireland, or some of the other venues that, that we've been looked at. And, and it is a crying shame. Um, you know, rallying in this country needs the biggest boost it can get. Uh, the Rally GB, the RAC Rally, the Lombard Rally, whatever, has uh, an incredible uh, historic reputation. Uh, people used to trip through the forest for hours to, to watch it, as we know. Um, and, you know, we, we'd lost an element of that with it just being in Wales. And, and people in, in Wales won't maybe appreciate that, that um, there's a lot of fans in Scotland, in the northeast, in Yorkshire, whatever, that have become um, almost a little bit disillusioned with the rally because they never saw it anymore. Um, but nonetheless, to lose it completely is is very very sad. And um, let's hope that something happens with that in the future. And uh, I'm sure we'll come up with some bright ideas of how to fix that or not. I hope so. My any other business is a yes or no answer for for all three, and I'll include myself. Um, there was a uh, there was a quite a lot made over the fact that some of the drivers and Sebastian Ogier was fine for it. Um, helmet being unfastened on a stage i have been guilty of it i've also been guilty of not connecting my hands device when i've got out to change a puncture i hold my hand up it's not ideal but it is easily done at any level ryan have you ever done it uh, not that i remember no i'm pretty i, okay. I check and double check and triple check okay well, good on you you're perfect uh trevor agnew no, all is fastened. Uh, the OGA thing, was that on the stage or yeah. was it between the finish line and the stop line? I wasn't sure. I haven't seen the detail of it. Well, he's been fine for it. Yeah, I get that. But did he start to loosen it between the... It was on the stage. I didn't see it, but I think it was on stage. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, no, I, I've, I'm, I'd be uh, Clear. maybe a, maybe a balaclava hanging out, something like that, which I didn't notice. I'd be maybe guilty of that, but intentionally, no. I, I would always have everything. Well, passed. I don't think anybody does it intentionally. I think there's a there's a difference between intention and genuine mistake. Right. Well, okay. Well, I don't remember making that mistake, and I wouldn't advocate anybody not fastening their helmet. 
Yeah, okay. All right, and the on. other thing with that, just to finish off, there's all this precedence for stewards to act on, and most of these things as well is not a precedent. So people getting wound up about it, it was only a 400 euro fine, what's that to OSIA? If that's been happening before, then that's what the stewards have to follow. Okay. So a lot of people don't understand that element. Jack, I'll ask you. Yes. No, I've not done it before. Okay. Yes, I, I'm, yes, I'm, I, clearly, I'm clearly the arse of Absolute Rally. Right. Boys, thank you. Uh, it's great to have you back. Um, I, I thought the intro was going to be a lot better. That's all I'll say. Um, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll be back. You boys go and do what you've got to do. We've now got, um, we're going to talk to Tom Williams, who was out doing WRC3, just to just to poke the bear with Ryan um, with regards to WRC3 and Rally 2 and all those other things. But uh, we've got Tom coming up telling us about the trials and tribulations of getting there and actually doing the event. And as I say, we've got Craig Parry joining us, who is doing ice notes for Takamoto and tell us some tales alongside you, Hannon, and uh, what it's like to have Yari Massey as your new boss. Hi, everyone. This is John Desborough, commentator and presenter on the World Rally Championship. I'm hoping you've seen my debut novel, Breaking Point. If you haven't, check it out on eBay. It's a roller coaster ride of deceit and blackmail from a golden age of the WRC. And like a good rally, it starts fast and gets faster. Breaking Point by me, John Desborough, on eBay now for $7.99. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally, friend of the show. We had him on just before Rally Monza, and we had a bit of fun there as well. But he's just come back from starting Rally Monte Carlo and the latest evolution of the M Sport Fiesta R5. Tom Williams, welcome back to Absolute Rally. Hi, uh, yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, well, we, we need to get you on a warm event because the last two, <laughs> the last two rallies have been freezing. Uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> icy ones. That's <laughs> Listen. Um, we, funny enough, we, we, we've got Craig Parry coming up a little bit later on talking about Rally Monte Carlo from, from, from the Ice Note crew, uh, point, you know, point mm-hmm. of view from their perspective as well. But, um, I thought it'd be good to get you on, Tom, because this was obviously it was your second event in a four wheel drive car, but it was, um, your first time in the, in the latest evolution of the, 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 the R5 Fiesta or, or Rally. Rally 2, as we should call it now, isn't it? So I need to get the names right. I keep on getting the names wrong. Rally 2 Fiesta, of course. But um, Tom, take us through it because you've done this, you know, the way you go rallying is very much in the, in, in, in the, in, in the, the best possible way in my eyes in the sense of the, it's, it's about the spirit of adventure and, and everything else. And getting in that little recce car, which, you know, I know how much that recce car, car costs that you drive around in. And to be fair, my monthlies are more expensive than on my car. So, <laughs> so fair play to you. Fair play to you. Take us through it because we've had, you know, we've had the, the joys of, uh, of dealing with cross border movement with Brexit. Obviously, the unfortunate world we're in at the moment with COVID, all trying to get these things into the fact that you're now trying to start your second WRC event with a team. Yeah, yeah, I think you covered quite a few of the points trying to get into this rally because it was just insane. Of course, doing Monte Carlo is so tricky just in the first week of January, trying to find a budget, sponsorship, just trying to pull it all together when you just had Christmas and New Year, and it's it's always tricky anyway. But then when there was the COVID and the new strain that was coming out and Brexit just happened, I can't think of a more like difficult way of talking to people, trying to organize the whole lot and 
yeah, definitely it was a real adventure. Even just before the rally started, just getting there was such an adventure for the team, co-driver, ice crew, everyone. It was so, it was, everything was happening. But we got to the start line, we got to the weekend before, and we all made it there just about. Um, and we went into a test, which was all helped by Domi with the right, everyone knew everyone, everyone made it on time. And over the whole rally, it was just, everything just went so well. You couldn't, you couldn't have everything so pre-planned. You just had to go with it and work, work with it. Cause there was just storms, conditions changing every single day. Uh, police officers that really didn't accept Brexit. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, it was everything that could have gone wrong, but it didn't. And we just managed to work around it and, um, yeah, I don't know where to start really because it just everything happened. Well, I, I suppose you know you 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 get in the car, you do your test, which is obviously you know a, a short test, which is a couple of days before recce. You know how you know in the benefit of hindsight now, how, how representative was the shakedown of the car as opposed yeah, to the so rally? Of course, there was no because of the rule changing. There was no shakedown for the rally, so yeah. instead of because um, being the kilometers cut a bit short, we thought okay, we'll change it. If we can get it sorted, then we could run off the back of some other people. That would work really well. And um, Domi, knowing a lot of people, because uh, he's been doing this rally for 20-plus years, um, we found a great road. Um, really, Everyone really helped out, all rally people. Um, so the first road was a bone-dry tarmac road just to try the... It was my first time in the new shape Fiesta, on dry tarmac, so we just thought, okay, I can really find some limits, find, find my braking, just get really comfortable with the car. So that was perfect. And then the guys said, we quickly go up and just uh, close the road off up at the top of the mountain, which was really um, black ice, not really difficult stuff. And we were just trying, even on the dry tarmac, we were trying the wrong tires. We kept on trying the wrong tires and the right tires, so full stud tires on the dry tarmac, and it was like driving a gravel tire on tarmac. It was like a kind of boat driving around, and once you got used to it, it was good. And then it was trying to break the fear. I had a bit from Monza trying a cross tire, because that's unfortunately where we had my off. It was my first time using a cross tire. I completely locked up and not getting used to how the car moves on a cross tire, and then I hit the wall, which wasn't great, but so I was always quite nervous going into a Monty because we knew I was going to have to do it at some point, doing a cross tire for a stud and a slick, which I did, and I, once you just practice and practice with it, it wasn't too bad, but you just had to have a go with it. So, and we tried, so when we went up onto the icy road, we did the same thing. We did the opposite tried slicks on black ice which was yeah um definitely <laughs> and entertaining <laughs> you could say that um you get you realize yeah it is two miles an hour <laughs> you just kind of you, you just can't believe it you're just crawling around it and then when there is a bit of grip you just you go for it again and there's that complete variation of going 100 percent 60 percent two percent 100 percent again on that speed and that's how the Monty works. So um, I guess yeah, it's, 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 it's been really disciplined, isn't it? It's, it's throttle discipline, I suppose, is yeah, the, yeah. The, oh, the best way course, of putting of course. it. I had a I had a fair amount of spins. There weren't that many spectators, so I don't hope there aren't too many of those videos. 
because uh, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, trying to work out the handbrake with the R5 is yeah, you have to really pull it, but it, every corner was different. So you is yeah, you have to be real disciplined. So yeah, I had a fair few, but by the end of it, I felt quite good with um, everything. So uh, you know, I suppose breaking it down into sections. Obviously, we had a very short day. Um, I think Thursday was your, your, the first day, wasn't it? Obviously, I think they would have been historically would have been the, the night stages, which obviously were running the day. That that first day, did that did did that set you up quite nicely for the for the rest of the rally, or is it so changeable yeah. once you then get into the Friday? That it's almost like starting a new rally again. Yeah, of course. So Thursday is always a short day because it's always maybe one or two stages in the evening. But with the six p.m. curfew, it kind of moved into the middle of the day, which was no problem. But they were kind of just real fast, greasy stages that were just in the middle. They weren't dry and they weren't wet. They were just in the middle. So, yeah, it was, it was, I'm glad they were in the daylight, but they were just not the best for confidence because they were very, very fast stages. So we just went with a, we weren't allowed to use a wet tire in the WRC3. It was either super soft, soft, super soft snow tire or studded tire. There was no wet, so it was either you went for a slick or a snow tire. So um, I would yeah, have, I would have run all four, different one on each corner. <laughs> I, I mentioned it to Domi on the final day. I wanted to go two two two, but yeah, that was maybe a bit too adventurous. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we did. We got through it all. Um, I, I made a bit of. A, I got a bit. I had a bit of a spin on the last stage on Thursday and got caught with an Austrian guy behind me that um, left a bit of damage on the back back bumper of our car. But, yeah, and, um, I experienced the anger of the Austrian after the stage, but we made up a, made up afterwards. Um, and then, yeah. I won't, I won't ask how, Tom, that, 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 sounded quite, that kind of sounded quite ominous, the fact how you made up. I won't, I won't ask anymore. I'll swear in a more. I'm rallying, clearly. <laughs> yeah, just say, um, yeah. Uh, end of stage, blood flowing, angry Austrian following me last few kilometers of um, the stage. Maybe went into the back bumper of the car and maybe the support of the bumper went through his radiator, maybe. Um. Oh, the irony. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we made up afterwards. All good. And then, yeah, went in for Friday. Yeah. And Next that bit. that that probably, because uh, I know I'm, I'm briefly mentioned at the top, uh, can you even put a, uh, a comparison to what you went through doing Monza to this? Did Monza do anything for you to get you ready for this? I suppose is the, is the yeah. point you're trying to ask. Monza was nice for the just the wet conditions on a snow tire. That that was good. And the little bits of patches of ice was good, but Monza was just hard because you everyone was not confident because you there was just ice and you didn't have an ice crew, so you just kind of went into it. It was just you didn't know what to expect at least with Monty you did have an ice crew but the conditions were so much more intense and drastic than Monza which was even you couldn't believe because Monza was bad but Monty this year the conditions were just so much more extreme because each day was different because Friday um, now we started with the really early starts because of the curfew so everyone was waking up at four o'clock in the morning getting ready to do a night stage to start with um and you went into three stages and service and two stages. So the first stage in the morning was one of the hardest I've ever done. It was on the start line, full fog, night stage, five o'clock, I think it's ten past six in the morning. And 
halfway through it just went full ice all snow and ice in the fog and <laughs> we were just i was just i with georgia she did such a great job with the pace notes but i had to, for her to judge when to say the pace notes because she couldn't feel in the car when we were going around the corners because the speed was changing so much and um going forward and backwards you just i had to kind of tell georgia um when I needed the notes and then when it speeded up and when it, cause it was just so hard to judge and that kind of worked for us and we managed to get through with no problems. Wow. Wow. Um, and then, and then having the ice crew guys, they did such a good job at Keaton Williams and Callum Black. And they, those guys were getting up at two o'clock in the morning. They were going through so early and it was our first time together. And it's so important that they're, they're one of the most important in the rally. And it all worked so well. It was so so much to take in with sending the notes through WhatsApp to each other and George writing the notes on the road section. Yeah, it was every minute you had, you had to be doing something on the rally. Yeah, it, it just it, it, it sounds like uh, how we remember WRC events, and I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure they're all like that to some degree, but there is there is something special about that mm-hmm. rally well, Monte Carlo name, said, isn't there? A few people definitely mention Monte Carlo. You have a lot of variations of WRC events, but Monte Carlo definitely makes some of the other events um, look a bit different. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. But um, pace-wise and everything else, you, you went in there with, with, I suppose, low expectations. First time in that particular car. You know, did you set yourself a benchmark of what you wanted to do stage time-wise, or was it just? Let's just let's just get to the end of this rally and learn it. Yeah, this one is hard with the um, finding a benchmark um, because the, we don't know. To the, the competition was very high, so of course well, we want to be comparing ourselves to the top guys because when you you just know that's the bar and those guys are the really top guys, and we can measure our seconds okay um, off these guys. But this, we weren't looking at it. For these reasons, we just needed the kilometers in the car. And it was so nice to be in the car more than one day than yeah. just a test. Just constantly being in the car on the road sections, just always just driving it, getting used to all the buttons, just the whole thing. And to get through the whole rally without a scratch in the car, just the, and the shame about the double puncture on Saturday. We, that's exactly what we wanted. And it's, and we, it was very hard with the confidence because it's just, change every single day but that's all part of it we learned so so much and i feel really good and to start to push on a bit on the sunday stages was yeah we're much happier is it gave you obviously you've done jwrc um previously obviously you've done some sporadic appearances uh you know in brc and stuff like that but doing that event and seeing what those stages are and what they are over those that four-day period does it give you, a, a, and you've been around rallying all your life, but does it give you a newfound respect for the very cream of, you know, the cream at the top of, of, of these, you know, what we're seeing in the World Rally Championship these days? What do you mean, sorry? The, With regards to the dry, you know, the, the, the quality of, you know, the standards, you know, you, now oh, you've drove yeah. those stages, um, you know, like for like at, you know, at the highest level with regards to events, you know, the boys who were at the very, very pinnacle of it, as it gave you a little bit more respect for them. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I've all I've always had, but especially this rally. Anyone, anyone who's finished this rally, but anyone who's won this rally is to win Monte Carlo's 
ridiculous. To see Elfin fighting at the top is ridiculous. It's so hard. It's, he's driving. The speed is unreal. And to you have to be so um, respectful of the tyres and when to push. It's just so technical. To do the, I'm so happy to finish and get the kilometres, but to now to increase the speed you, is so much more. We know a lot more now where to push, and I have a lot. I need to debrief a lot now with everybody because we just need to write it all down because there's so much I'll do differently now for this event that the speed is unbelievable, especially those night stages in the ice and the fog. You just The commitment is ridiculous and how fast the cars are, are now. It's a completely different sport to how it used to be. It's um, for it's just it's just a completely different sport. The intensity is just um, just everything's a lot shorter now, obviously, but the intensity is so much higher uh, with the individual stages because everything, everything, every small thing counts. Is this obviously it's it's more than whetted the appetite, should we say? But is that now the bar's been set, hasn't it? It's like, gee, I've got to try and get, I've got to try and get there again. I've got to try and be in that car again. You know what? How are you feeling now with regards to you know you've all the issues you, you mentioned you know before the events of, of trying to get deals together and stuff like that? But surely now this has made it uh, almost probably a hundred percent more that you want it again and you want it again and yeah, you want it again exactly, so exactly. you've whetted the appetite to say to say the least so what, what happens next Tom? So yeah exactly it was a huge huge motive because we really didn't know before this event what was going on if we're going to do it if we can do it it was it was really difficult but we, we did it and the only way of learning Monty is by doing it so and that's what we did so now everyone's and I'm really everything went so well so everyone's so motivated here um so now we've just got to push on try and work harder find more sponsorship uh just try every single opportunity there's uh, there's always uh, everything's hard at the moment with the pandemic but there's people who've made a fortune and people who are equally successful in different areas so you just got to find the areas and um just find different ways of doing it and so now we just need to um Work on what we want to do next. We don't quite know because the <laughs> same as before, the rallies are changing. It's, just, it's a shame with the BRC, the first few rounds being cancelled. Same with other championships. It's all changing a lot. So we've got to, yeah, make it up as we go. But uh, we definitely want to be out soon and keep the momentum going. I know a great little company that does face masks, Tom, and push comes to shove. I'm sure I could hook you up with them. And you, I, think, the odd, I think I'll be back to making face masks the, yeah, again. The, the odd post office or two, I'm sure. You know, if you go in one of those face masks on at the right angle, I'm sure they'll hand over the cash. <laughs> I think I'll be back to getting the sewing machine out now. Good man. Listen, Tom, congratulations. I really wanted to get you on for all the right reasons, the spirit of adventure, uh, everybody that mucked in to make it happen. I know some of the guys, obviously, your ice no crew and everything else. I know those boys really well as well. So it was a great story that I wanted to tell. Uh, come back and talk to us soon, mate, when you know what's going on, okay? Great. Thank you very much. No worries at all. Tom Williams, thanks for joining us an absolute rally. Folks, we're back after this break where we've got Craig Parry. This is Absolute Rally. 
Absolute Rally continues to be partnered by the Kielder Works team, who remain fully committed to the sport and are pioneers of the latest technology. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for all forms of competitive action. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the final section of Absolute Rally. Obviously, we've been talking all about Rally Monte Carlo at the top of the show with the boys, but um, the thing that seems to be getting mentioned quite a lot more recently, and I don't know whether it's just, it might be just the way I see things or hear things or whatever, but the ice the ice crews have been getting mentioned more over this past couple of days as well. They don't really make it normally get mentioned as much. I think Monte Carlo is one that flags it up just how important they are. So I thought I'd get my old mate Craig Parry on to talk to us because he was out there with Tacker. Tacker probably having his best result, I think, of his WRC career. Hell of a hell of a result anyway. But Craig, welcome back to Absolute Rally, mate. Yeah, good to be back. Good to have you back. Have you thawed out yet, mate? That's the most <laughs> important thing. Yeah, I've thought out, but it's to catch up on the sleep I need, really, more than anything in the warming up. Well, there was a lot made of how early the, the, the boys were starting. Maybe over the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, and, and Sunday, obviously. What were your, what were your start times? What were the, what were the iPhone save, save times to get up over those four days? Uh, well, Friday and Saturday, we, uh, left the hotel at 1.45 both nights. Wow. So, and then to the, even the Saturday was, yeah, one forty-five on the Saturday, and then uh, it's four o'clock Sunday morning as well. So Friday oh. wasn't so bad. Uh, sorry, Thursday wasn't so bad. See, I can't even know what day it was. <laughs> Did you actually so, get to bed at that time? Is it worth actually going to bed? Uh, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, for sure. Certainly, the Saturday you you um, you don't have any problems. Uh, sorry, the Friday night you don't have any problems going to sleep because you've already been up since since the best part of. Uh, one thirty in the morning or whatever it was. Wow. So yeah, you you've you're quite looking forward to bed by then and I think it was like six PM or something we were in uh, in bed for, but obviously it it's quite a short night by the time you get to sleep and the alarm's going again, so it's uh but yeah, uh, part of the job. So my, my my old mate Craig Parry going to bed at six was always ever just gonna be six AM, never six PM. And yeah. times have changed. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot changed over the years, to be fair, and that's, that's certainly one of them. But I, I guess people, you know, and again, it was mentioned on the WRC all live and everything else, and you know, in other in, in other formats, people seeing, you know, um, you know, crews out doing doing ice notes and stuff. I suppose for the uninitiated, you know, it needs to be said you're going out in some instances, obviously getting onto the stages two hours before the guys, maybe seeing the stages in darkness you know when they're going to see them in light and stuff like that i can imagine just take us through i suppose just 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 what it takes to actually you know do a day of, of doing ice notes for somebody yeah um well we we kind of have two jobs as well so um obviously the the, the driver i have is your hannanen so he's he's quite um uh, an important member of the team. He's obviously the test driver for the team as well. So they kind of value his opinion when it comes to the tyres. So, like, not everybody's leaving the hotel at at one forty-five in the morning. Like the other crews would be going sort of two, two and a half hours later than us. But the the plan is for us as well is to try and get through as many stages as we can before the uh, the team the the the, the the crews leave the park permits and stuff, so they have an idea of what the stages are, or the, the latest information they can get of what the stages are like. Plus, as well, on the car, we have all these sensors and things like that, that that read the road and the temperatures and this sort of stuff. So, so that's one of the jobs we have. But 
also the second job we have then is to um, give Tacker and Dan the the best information we can of, of what the road condition is like because obviously the Monday they would have done uh, the first day of recce but the first day of recce was for the Sunday stages so you know there's, there's quite a lot can change within that week um, and then for us obviously we try and make the schedule so it works for 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 all parts of our job so we're out of the stages at the time that the team, the team wants us to be but also to try and leave it as late as we can so Tacker has the, the best information we can give him beforehand um, so I mean during the, the, the week it's it's kind of all planned out as if we were doing our own recce for a rally really like I still do the same work type of thing the only thing we don't really concentrate so much on is the timings because time changes all the time because obviously with weather and these kind of things it can move the schedule quite a lot or you know you might get asked to go and have a look at something a little bit sooner from the team or something like that so so basically we concentrate more on how long it takes us to get from A to B rather than what sort of time we actually need to be in a certain place so that's um, yeah it, it kind of moves around quite a bit so we follow the recce as well. We drive the stages and and see what what it's all like on the stages and the recce's and this type of thing. And then, obviously, on the rally, uh, the schedules marked out that we get through the stages on on the times that we need to, but also relaying the information back to the drivers as well in the time so they have everything you know in good in good time before they get to the stages. So. Yeah, it's, it's 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 very much a juggling act from start to finish, really. How is it with 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 you? Because we had we had Gary Matty on before he became the boss uh, a few months back. Ryan and I, and we were talking about this stuff, and he he was just doing some events, funnily enough. And we yeah. joked with with him about having you know two drivers in the car, and we had a bit of a giggle about it. But obviously, you always normally co-driving for for Yari on those events. So what's it like having? Uh, you know, is there a bit of a debate on some corners? How, how does it work out having a driver who also co-drives for you? No, it's it, for me. It's a big, it's a big help because he understands what it what it's like on the other side of the car as well, and and he's he's very very relaxed. He's very good. He's a lot of fun. Um, so he makes the job very very simple. And like every night, we'll always just get together five or ten minutes and and sort of go through the plan of what tomorrow is. You know where we need to be, what sort of times we go through. So, so we work very much together on these things. It's not a case of oh, you're the co driver. That's your job. No, even in the car, it, it's very much like when we're in the stages. You know, we'll stop. We'll have a debate of sales. He'll ask me, "What do you think here? Do we word it like this or like that?" And you know, we we kind of work together with it all the way through. So, it's uh, it's maybe not as intense a relationship as what you'd have inside a rally car, but. It's still quite a close relationship because the job is is you know still still very important for what we're doing and the markings you have to make have to be in in absolutely the correct position. So you know when we're driving through the stage, he's not flat out everywhere. He's looking for everything and you know any issue you have, he stops bang straight away. So you know it's he understands what it takes to do the job correctly and also as best you can. I think I think we've all acknowledged the fact that you know Tacker is is is, is coming on leaps and bounds. Are you seeing that in his notes? Of course, you've worked with Dan over the years as well, so obviously you know Dan's notes as well. But are, are you seeing you know a difference now, even in in, in Tacker's notes as well? I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the the note system hasn't um, 
okay, they've, they've, it's evolved slightly and stuff, but the base of it is still very much the same as what it was like last year, like Monte Carlo was the first one we did last year and stuff. But what has changed, and we've seen it quite a lot um, this year from last year, uh, last year we we were obviously marking the road and you know kind of kind of putting the the sort of information that you all would like to have in the notes if he was driving and again that's another big benefit for for Tacker is Yule's driving these cars as well he's a test driver for the team so he understands how they work especially with the tyre selection and this sort of thing but Tacker was uh, was complaining that there was too much information he couldn't you know he couldn't digest all the the information on top of the pace notes so we went backwards and to make it a little bit more simple and you know sort of if he could see it we wouldn't really mark so much and then just kind of get all the bad places in so basically just keeping him on the road if you like so again the approach was a little bit the same at the start of the weekend here that you know we just keep things quite simple and that but it became apparent quite early on sort of even Thursday night that he wanted more information so it was like okay we put a little bit more in the next day and and then as we started to see from the times they were getting better and he was also asking for more so as the weekend was going he was saying you know I need to know this this is so okay we went full at it and, and marked up pretty much everything as if as if uh, you know sort of you was what he would see he would want in and this type of things you know to help tackle along and then you could see almost as the weekend's going on that tackle starts to talk about the gravel crews and the information being correct but that's when we started to put more in and it, it seemed to be that he was you know he could digest it and, and use it to his advantage and you can obviously see in the times and that like he was sort of fourth fifth fastest on a few stages so which was good and then that shows that he's kind of evolving as well and and there's you know, we, we've come from the event now where there's certain areas that, that that he knows he needs to work from, and there's certain areas that we can help him, especially with the gravel notes with regards to words and things like this. So, so yeah, for him it was a really good weekend. It was, you know, certainly a positive step forward. And every time he gets out the car, he's always um, very keen to learn, and to, you know, he's very open to opinion and criticism and stuff like this. So, he's, he's you know, he's yeah, he's another one very good to work for. Great. I was just going to say it was a great weekend for 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 Toyota across the board. Really, we, we we were at one at one point. I thought we were going to get you know a one a one two three and maybe a fifth. Didn't quite work out that way, but uh, obviously the new boss different different a different hat on for Yari these days. Um, how was how was how was the service park with 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 Yari? Was he was he equally as animated what he was when he was getting stage end, or is he a bit more chilled? Yeah, no, I mean, Yari is Yari, you know, it's, what you've seen, there's no, there's no different side to him, he is what he is, he's, you know, and again, he's an open book, um, he's very excited, he's very passionate about the sport in general, um, he's taken this job, you know, hands on, he's, he's grabbed it by the arms, really, and taken it, so he's in the service park. He's very good. He's he's very relaxed. I mean, it's, even in the in the Toyota camp anyway, it's a nice relaxed feeling. You know, everybody knows what they're doing. There's no real stress there at any point. Um, he has a lot of fun as well. But obviously, you know, I'm sure when the days come where he has to make the decisions and stuff, he'll obviously take the job very seriously at the same time. So, no, I think he's a little bit of a. a a breath of fresh air to have about as well. Cause he's, you know, he's quite an uplifting character anyway. So he's, 
yeah, it's, it's I'd say I'd say people are, are more than happy to have him as the boss. Is there, a, is there a little Welsh corner in catering? Because obviously you're there with Taka, you've got Elvin there, you've got Gwyndaf there. Is there a little <laughs> little Welsh corner? Is there a Finnish corner and a Japanese corner? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Are we all we integrated? Have, we're, <laughs> yeah, we've got Welsh cakes by the kettle, so we're all right. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Alicia, thanks for, for, for giving us a little bit of insight. I thought it was really important to, to, to offer that. And I know we've, we've kind of done similar things before, I think, but I, I still think there's a... It's it's an art to rally in which I think some people, especially maybe just fans as opposed to competitors, don't really get that there's this all there's almost like an event within an event going on really to to to, to keep these boys on the road and keep these boys moving at the, the the rate of knots that they're obviously moving at on interchangeable conditions I suppose. But um, in the day job I suppose you're back to you're back to the day job now obviously. We, we you support the podcast and everything else with on the pace now obviously it's a tough period for rallying in the uk at the moment uh, are we seeing a glimmer of light for for on the pace note and you guys you know later this year yeah i mean there's, there's yeah we've we've got many events um booked in already but obviously with this covid situation the way it is they they've started to either postpone or cancel again a little bit so you know, even the event into May already, but um, yeah, we're still sitting here waiting, uh, waiting for the months to tick by, and the trackers as well. That's been that's been quite uh, a lot of interest in there. Plus, we've we've done a lot of work with that over the over the period. I know um, I know Wolfgang's done a lot of upgrades to the thing, and and we've got a few uh, different bits and pieces coming with the events and stuff. Like we're going to open it up for spectator tracking and this type of thing. Um, so we've got a, a website being built at the moment for that, just to to uh, put a little bit of something else towards the tracking as well, to to open it up to the public a bit more, just so they can see what what goes on as well with the rally. So they can so they can follow the cars as the cars are moving on this yeah. on this app or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So it'll just be like quite a basic thing where they see the 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 cars moving on the maps and through the stages. But what we'd like to do as well is try and link it up to a results. The event results, so they kind of have the two on on one site as well, and there'll be other bits of information of entry lists and you know the 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 information about the event, the stages, the itineraries, and that sort of thing. So it's just to to give give spectators, especially if the events are going to start to go more that way, where the spectators aren't going to be allowed so much until this COVID thing is is under control, then it it it'll hopefully give. Um, people something to to follow the events from great with, with using the tracking to to sort of benefit that as well as the safety side of it we can use it for a let's say entertainment side if you like so yeah, no absolutely listen I, I, do you know what what, what what a great thing obviously we've seen it like wrc level and stuff like that so to to see it filtering down to national level I think it's fantastic. So, so good on you guys. Good on you guys. Listen, Craig, I'm going to let you go and get some rest because uh, as we record this, this is as you've pretty much nerd enough just walked through the door from Monte Carlo. So listen, I really appreciate your time. Okay. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having us on and uh, I will please speak to you soon. Happy days. Uh, folks, uh, that has been Absolute Rally for this week. Thank you for, uh, for for downloading us again. It's good to be back. Um, and again, keep spreading the love, keep spreading the word. We'll be back same time, same place in your podcast hall next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Keel the Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.